Amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't uh, do this in the first service, my bad, but we uh, had an amazing night of worship here last night for those who were here. Had a good crowd, and, and uh, I just want to thank uh, Jesse and Heather. They may have stepped out. They were the two up here, husband and wife team, and they did a phenomenal job leading us last night, helping us out this morning. Would you just thank them for being here with us? Really, really good, good job, and uh, appreciate them being here. Let me reiterate one of the announcements. Vision and leadership is tonight, 6.30. If you serve in the house, raise your hand at all, in any position, anywhere. Yeah, I got you. I see you. I see all of you. You should be here tonight at 6.30. I expect that. We have an amazing meeting and, and time together. We're going to have fun. We're going to worship. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to cast vision for Easter. Easter is a unique opportunity. It's the one Sunday a year when you can get just about anyone through the doors. And so we're really focusing on evangelism, and we're going to cast that vision of how, what that means in the house tonight, 630. Please, please, please be here for that. I cannot believe it, but we are in week eight, part eight of Unwrapped, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. Has this been good for anybody? Have you enjoyed this? Good. That's the word I'm getting. And I'm getting a lot of folks who are giving, I mean, legitimate testimonies about how it's just changed the way they see life, how they see, uh, you know, working with their coworkers, their, their people that work for them, their kids, their, their, their spouse, all of those things. And so we're going to come up with a hashtag, don't know what it is yet, but I want to hear those testimonies. I want to hear those testimonies because a lot of folks have told me in person uh, about that. But we're going to come up with a hashtag, probably let you know what that is in a week or two, where you can put that on social media and then hashtag it. We have it all in one spot, and we're going to use those uh, for, for the kingdom. Also, I began to hear these reports, and I thought about what, who would be interested in this being in a DVD-type set that you could give to people, your friends that don't go to church. Would you all use that? Um, what's cool about this is that it's, it's more teaching. It's not real preachy. And so you've got an unchurched friend and they're, they, they're bound to get something out of it. And you could just say, look, just, just start it and see if you don't get hooked in and, and do it. You could even, you know, make them a list like these and give them to them, make it real easy for them. If y'all would be interested in that, we're going to try to put those together uh, very soon at the end of the series. So that would be awesome. But yes, we are in, in part eight of this. The next two, we're finishing our motivational gifts today. The next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation gifts. Uh, This may not be in your background, may not be what you've grown up with or the teaching that you've received. I'm just asking that you give me the chance. Do you trust me? I'm asking, they're like, "Eh." give me the chance to teach on this. And then you can make up your mind and see what the Holy Spirit says. And you know what? Even if we disagree, I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you right, right here at New Life. I don't, want you, I don't want this to become a divisive thing. That's what the enemy does. We can agree to disagree. I, you know, I'll be standing firm with my belief, of course, and we're going to be making this an opportunity. You need to mark the 26th, two weeks from today. It's going to be a powerful, powerful day. Be praying about it in advance. God's going to change, could be a life-changing day for you. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, how many remember, we're here for the introduction, I had a basket of fruit sitting out here eight weeks ago. How many, how many were here for that? The reason I did that was because I wanted to explain how confusing it can be to talk about the spiritual gifts in the New Testament. 
you know, we had apples, oranges, and bananas. All three of those are what? Fruit. They're all three fruit, but they're very different. Very different. And so it's the same in the New Testament when we talk about spiritual gifts, because we only use one English word, gift. But in the original Greek, there were three different Greek words, three different categories of spiritual gifts. The first is what we've been talking about, the motivational gifts. We've been talking a lot about those, all about those. These are gifts that we are born with, born with. And then hopefully when we get saved, we dedicate those gifts back to God and they can be used for his glory and his kingdom. The second category are the manifestation. That's what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks. And then finally, the positional or the ministry gifts. These are the gifts to the church that Jesus gave to the church to govern the church and to help it run properly. Now, Peter uses the first motivational word, the charisma in the Greek, in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And then Paul lists these gifts, same Greek words, same category, in Romans 12, 6, he says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I've said it every single week, and I'm going to say it again. God did not design you, why are you, to be good at everything. So quit it. Men, quit it. Stop it. You are not good at everything. You were not meant to be good at everything. We're not passionate about everything. So we're not supposed to be able to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy or perceive, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. Verse 8 says, if your gift is to encourage, and Pastor Cody used the word exhort others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability. Last week, what word do we use? Administrator. Wake up. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, and we're going to use today the word compassion to others, do it gladly. Now, so far, I'm going to read through them. I want you to raise your hand if you feel like when I call that that gift, that may be your top gift so far, okay? All right, ready? Perceiver. All right. Server. All right. Teacher. Awesome. Giver. Exhorter. Of course, of course. And the administrator. Awesome. All right, if, listen to me now. If you've missed any of those lessons, it is vital that you go back to newlifecanton.com, click on sermons, and watch each of those. Do your own test so that you have seven of these when we get done. Now, so far, you have probably connected in some form or fashion with at least two of these gifts. Am I right? At least a couple of them. But maybe you haven't yet really had that moment. Well, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you, today is your moment. So get ready. We're going to be talking about the final motivational gift, compassion. Compassion. Now, if you got a sheet, everybody get a sheet of paper. Anybody not get one, raise your hand. Quickly, ushers. Wow, really good. One over here. Carolyn's got on a coat. Is it cold? (laughs) It's great. I love it because I sweat. Y'all need to come up here under these lights. Anybody else? 
Praise the Lord. All right, let's look at our working definition for compassion. You can use the notes side and get this written down. The compassion person is drawn to the hurt, to hurting people. Compassion person is drawn to hurting people that they might offer help and extend mercy. And a little tag note there, this is their greatest joy. The compassion person is drawn to hurting people that they might offer help and extend mercy. This is his or her greatest joy. The greatest fulfillment the compassion person has is that in life. Now, of all the gifts, compassion is the one most frequently bestowed. God knew and knows there are hurting people all over the earth. Amen? A lot of hurting people. And so more people have this gift. He wired people this way than anybody else or any other gift. On a survey of hundreds of people that took tests like this, almost a third of the population identified compassion as their top gift. Almost a third of the population. You know, there's countless nonprofit organizations out there that meet, that do a great job at meeting the felt needs of people. And they're both Christian and non-Christian. Remember, this gift is not just for believers. People are born with it that aren't saved and use it and use it well. Uh, I mean, Christian and non-Christian, make a wish. Doctors Without Borders, Salvation Army, Samaritan's Purse, American Red Cross. Locally, we have must ministries that we partner with on a regular basis. And Renetta Beasley is a member here that she works there. Now, look, these organizations were undoubtedly started and began in the heart of a compassion person. Now, they may have used the abilities, the administrative abilities and leadership abilities and some people around them to get it going and off the ground if they weren't gifted with those things and their secondary gifts. But it began, they began, they began in the heart of a compassion person. Now, this is the final gift. There is no eighth gift. So when we finish today, your gift profile, if you've been here, will be complete. It will be complete. And you should know your top three gifts. Most people operate in their top three gifts. All right, you guys that have been here know the drill. We're getting ready to start with the questions. If you're you're new, you're a guest here. Zero, you mark a zero if it is never you. Never, absolutely never. And then it, it goes in degrees. One, two, three is sometimes you. Four, and then five is always you. I mean, hit me between the eyes. That's me. Don't be afraid to put the five and the zero if it's true. All right, are we ready? Number one, I am very trusting and always look for the good in people. I'm always trusting and look for the good in people. Compassion people themselves are trustworthy. They themselves are trustworthy, and so that's what they expect from everyone. And so that's the way they go into a relationship believing that they do not fight being paranoid like other, some of the other gifts. They do not fight paranoia about motivation of people. And so that's good, but it's also, you can imagine the negative side of that could be that they could easily get swindled, be taken advantage of because they're trusting. But here's the deal. Even when that happens, everybody listening, even when that happens, 
they still believe that person can change. They still will hold on and keep trying with that person. Compassion people are also non-critical people. They are not looking to criticize. If they're at an organization, if they're in a meeting like this, they're not, they're not looking to see what, what went wrong and, you know, this or that. They're, they're looking, they're positive. Their focus is also, listen to this, their focus is on the positive characteristics of people, not the negative. And here's a great gift. Listen, here's a great gift. They can actually celebrate the potential of a person before they actually achieve it. They can celebrate the potential character development in a person before they actually get there. What a gift. Robert, I have it in my notes. I think about you, brother, and your work in downtown Atlanta. Robert goes from the street, takes somebody in who may be homeless, goes and makes sure that they are fed, taken care of, clothed. Then he shares his faith. My God, he shares Jesus with them. They get saved and he's not done yet. He wants to try to, I see it on social media all the time, trying to make sure they get jobs, get a GED all the way, all the way through. All right, wait, wait. But all during that time, no doubt those folks through that process make poor choices sometimes. Go backwards. Take a three, you know, you go three steps forward, two steps back, and it's, it's kind of like this, but he doesn't stop until they stop. He doesn't give up until they give up. He's there, and sometimes you probably drag them, don't you? Come on, now you can clap and give God praise. What a gift. Mark your answer. That was kind of long. Mark your answer. That was all number one. Number two, I am drawn to people who are hurting. And I take action to help relieve their pain. This is a two-parter. So if you only get one part, then you only get a two or a three, okay? I'm drawn to hurting people, but it doesn't end there. I also take action to help relieve the pain. Now, folks, for a top compassion person, this is a non-negotiable trait. This is a four or five at least Put a mark next to this one, as a matter of fact. There's no top compassion person that doesn't reflect this trait. It's an ever-present, ever-ready function in the compassion people. And look, it starts in childhood. You can identify, just like you can identify the administrator child telling people what to do, telling their kids what to do, you know, the other friends and stuff. The compassion child is the one who brings home the lame animal, you know, the one that there's a stray animal or like the rabbit that had been run over. It's still alive just a little bit. And the parents are like, oh, my God, put that down. Take the shot. You know, like, mom, look. It's like, oh, you know, or they're the ones who find the child who's been left behind in school, who's, who's the outcast, who's been sitting by themselves at lunch. They're drawn to that child, to that person. And that characteristic just goes on into adulthood. Now, for many of us, hurting people, listen, make us nervous. Can we be real? Whether it's a death in the family or a failing business or bankruptcy, problems in their marriage, problems with their kids, health issues. Most of us don't know what to do with those things. We're not being callous. We care We just don't know what to do or what to say. And so what do we end up doing? 
Well, it goes further than nothing. We end up subconsciously avoiding those people. Look at me. Not so with the compassion person. They are drawn to the hurting. Mark your answer. Number three, I avoid conflicts and confrontations. But I am motivated by peace and unity. I avoid conflicts and confrontations but I'm motivated by peace and unity. Compassion people grieve over broken relationships. Compassion people grieve over divorce. Compassion people grieve over division. Compassion people are peacemakers. They're the ones who kind of just, be, you know, everything's just in chaos, division, people are arguing, and they're the ones, if they say anything, they would say, why can't we just all get along? And they really resonate with the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17. Put that on the screen, please. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe. That is us. In me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22 I have given them the glory you gave me. Now, I didn't highlight that. I should have. Listen, look at me. Jesus is saying here that he is giving the church his glory. Glory. We represent the glory of God on earth. Is that not powerful? And the compassion person, I think, represents that the best. It's a gift. It's a gift. So that they may be one as we are one, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. The compassion person longs for peace and harmony in every environment they, they live in. They long for it at work. Come on. At home. Even at recreation and especially at church. Now, they are not ones to necessarily confront. They are non-confrontational. They may, they may hint at something that they're upset about, but more than likely, more than likely, if they're upset long enough, you'll turn around and they will be gone. That person will be gone. They won't say anything to you. You'll just find that, when did we lose them? They'll be gone. They won't say anything. They won't hit it head on. Unlike the perceiver. You never have to wonder about what they're thinking. Or the exhorter. Now, they may be a little more positive spin on it, but they're going to let you know. And the administrator. They'll let you know. They're, they're not afraid of confrontation. All right, mark your answer. Number four, I'm careful with my words and actions to avoid hurting other people. I'm careful with my words and actions. The last thing a compassion person wants to do is hurt someone else. Duh. They're drawn to the hurting. They want to help the hurting. The last thing they want to do is hurt someone. These are the folks that when you're talking to them, they will stop in mid-sentence and say something like, all right, now how can I say that? 
Um, wait a minute. How can I say? Have you ever had a conversation with someone? Or maybe you do that. You may be high in compassion because you're, you're rewording, rethinking what you were about to say because you're like, that may not come out right. That may not, they may not have the right effect. Unlike, once again, the perceiver who just says it like it is, black and white, this is the way it is in a prophetic, edgy kind of a way. You've seen the difference. All right, mark your answer. I'm careful with my words and actions. Number five. I am drawn to others who show compassion. I'm drawn to others who show compassion. Compassion people enjoy each other's company. Compassion people enjoy, listen, they think alike, yes, but it goes much deeper than that. Listen, look at me. They feel alike. And it's comforting to them to be together because nobody else really knows what they feel and how they feel and how deeply things affect them. They often cannot relate well to the speaking gifts. And we're going to talk about a little bit about this next week as we wrap up motivational gifts. But the speaking gifts are perceiver, teacher, exhorter, and administrator. Those are the speaking gifts. And often those are strong, big personalities. And so... The compassion person doesn't relate as well to those, but they do relate well to the server because they're behind the scenes like they are, the giver, and of course, other compassion people. So mark your answer. I am drawn to others who show compassion. Number six, I love to do thoughtful things for others. I love to do thoughtful things for others. These are the folks who remember birthdays, anniversaries, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, and they come up with all kinds of other days. They don't have to have a day. They write notes. They send texts. They send emails. They make phone calls. Encourage just They just think of those kinds of things. A little bit like the exhorter in that way, but they, they, they just love to do thoughtful things for others. Now, I, I'm definitely got a five on this one. <laughs> did you hear my... Sarah went, oh, you lied right now. I, I did not get a five on this one. They know me. Where is your mom? I was really hoping she would get to respond to this one today. She'd be in the floor. if I Anyway, I am so bad. How bad are you? No. Um, my staff, a couple of weeks, this is true, my staff, a couple of weeks ago, pulled me around the corner of the offices, stuck a present, a, a gift package in my hands from me that I had no clue what it was. They put it in my hands and said, go give it to so-and-so. And I was like, what for? They were like, just don't, don't worry about it. Just go and give it to them. They take care of me. Come on, somebody. How many know it's good to have people who aren't like you helping you out in the areas that you're weak? Some of you men are like, I need one of those. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, 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 look. It's not that I don't want to do those things. I just don't think about it. I wish I did. Believe me, I wish I did, but I, it doesn't go through this head. I'm always thinking about stuff, lists, 
things to do. Am I related? Come on, is anybody else in my boat? Look, it's just the way it is, but compassion people, it's just, it flows. They love it. All right, mark your answer for that one. You know what mine is? (laughs) Thank you for clarifying that. Hey, on a side note under this one as you're answering, a side note here, compassion kids. Listen to me now, parents. Compassion kids tend to be more affectionate towards their parents than other gifts. They, they're the ones, when you sit down on the couch, they, they're like puppy dogs. I mean, they're just, they're just there. They're on you, Rachel. Yeah, I know. That's, that's Rachel. She's my snuggler. Uh, if I'm on the couch, it's like, wham. And that's, you can kind of, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a top compassion person, but it definitely, it's higher up. Okay. Does that help anybody? All right. Number seven, I don't pay much attention to the clock. (laughs) I don't pay much attention to the clock. Compassion folks, if you're a top compassion folks, you've got one speed. Slow ahead. Slow ahead. You're not worried about the next thing. You're not worried about the next thing. You, you typically don't pay real close attention to the clock, and this sometimes causes you problems at work. There's punctuality problems. Now, when the job is given to you, you'll get it done, but sometimes it's late. All right? Just a little, you know. These are the folks that if you have an 8 o'clock meeting, you tell them 7.30. All right? But here's the deal. Compassion folks are chill. They live in the moment. They live in the present. They are not looking at their watch like I see some of you doing right now. They are not looking at their watch. They are living in the... And you know why God wired them this way? So that they could effectively deal with people and help people who are hurting. They are living in that moment and they won't leave that moment until they are finished. Regardless, God knows what he is doing. Somebody give him praise right now for wiring us the way he wants to to get things accomplished. They're not worrying about the next thing until that thing is done. Mark your answer. Number eight, my heart rules me more than my head. My heart rules me more than my head. With the compassion person, the heart plays the major role. The emotion plays the major role in decision making more than the logical thing to do. More than the logical thing to do. They rely on their feelings to guide. And if they're a Christian, they're constantly relying on the Holy Spirit. They do that better than anyone else because it's, it's easier. It's an easier connection to our emotions and to our heads sometimes. That's what I was praying about during that after worship. God help me. I'm a teacher administrator. It's all got to be logical. It's all got to line up. It's all got to be systems. The problem is God doesn't always operate that way. And compassion people, this is one area that you, you're, you're good. You're so good to be led. So my heart rules me more than my head. Of course, it also gets you in trouble too. <laughs> it's good to have that balance. Husband, wife, whatever. All right. Number nine, I'm a crusader for good causes. I'm a crusader for good causes. In the eyes of the compassion person, right needs to prevail. 
right needs to prevail. That's very similar to the perceiver, but they handle it differently. The perceiver is very outspoken. The compassion person is going to be quiet. They're going to be the ones writing letters and emails and making phone calls and trying to do something. Maybe they're doing peaceful sit-ins or marches. More than likely, the hippies, most of the hippies of the 60s were probably compassion people. Not saying that they weren't polluted, but they were probably compassion people. Now, we've had a lot of demonstrations here lately, haven't we, around the, around the country. Now, the ones, the folks who decide they're going to they're you know, bust windows and, and, and destroy property, that's not, that's not the compassion person. They would never do that. There's nothing wrong if they feel that they have something to march about, but there were a lot of them that marched peacefully, and then the ones who did all the damage gave them a bad name, a bad rap. The compassion folks would never do that. My, uh, or I grew up, listen to this, I grew up with a mom who is a compassion slash administrator. Is that even possible? It is, because I, I know her. She is... Tied at the top, compassion administrator. So here's, here's my childhood. She, she planned every moment of my life, but she was really nice when she did it, okay? That's kind of that's the way my childhood was. She continues to do that, doesn't she, girls? And I know she's watching, so I love you, Mom. I do. You're phenomenal. Now, Mom, Mom um, gave the last 35 years of her life to the pro-life, pro uh, right to life movement, writing congressmen, uh, going down and sitting, you know, and doing peaceful marches in Atlanta when we lived in Atlanta. Every Saturday morning, she was there 5 a.m. And she was so in it, so involved, that she actually experienced symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and had to remove herself for different times because of her health. It was so involved, so involved. And, uh, you know, that's, that, was, that was her life. Now, last week she called me. 74 years old, and she said, I'm retiring from all of it. I'm done. I'm not doing anything else. I'm done. I'm finished. And I went, "Uh uh-huh. Right. Compassion people never retire. Write it down. Compassion people never retire. It just, it's impossible. As long as they're in their right mind, which that's debatable with some of us, But as long as they're in their right mind, compassion people never will retire. So I don't believe it one second, Mom. Number 10, I love to pray about the hurts and problems of others. I love to pray about the hurts and problems of others. Now listen to me, I'll teach just for a second. This is the third of the seven motivational gifts that is called to and anointed for intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Now, we all should pray, amen? But there's three of the seven gifts that are are just anointed and gifted for intercessory prayer. Look at the screen. Those who are usually drawn to participate in an intercessory prayer group are the perceiver, the giver, and the compassion person. The perceiver, the giver, and the compassion person. Now, what's really cool is that they bring three separate things to the meeting. That are very powerful. The perceiver is going to do what? He's going to pray for the will of God to be done. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the giver, they're going to be praying about evangelism. 
about people getting saved, the lost getting saved. They're going to have a list of people that they're praying for in that meeting. And then the compassion person is praying, obviously, for the problems and the hurts and the pains of the people that they know. And all three are going to be praying together in that powerful meeting. I've got a verse that you've all heard if you've been in church, but I want you to think about it in a different way. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. How many have heard that? We've all heard it. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Where there's two or three perceiver, giver, compassion. Perceiver, giver, compassion. Think about it like this. Oh, do we have the wrong setting? There's your perceiver right there. That's, that's nice. That's, that's middle C. It's good. Here comes the giver. Praying together. How about that? Pretty nice. We got something going now. Well, how about when we add the compassion prayer? Now we have a full triad chord. It's richer. It's stronger. It's more beautiful. And that is what God intends In every prayer, intercessory prayer group. Now, what's amazing is we have an intercessory prayer team that meets here every Saturday morning at 830. If you are one of these three gifts, now all of everybody's invited, but if you are one of those three gifts, you are called to intercessory prayer. We would love to have you come on Saturday mornings. All right. Tally your scores. Mark your answer for that one. Tally your scores. Make sure you're careful to do that correctly. I'm so bad in math, I have to be very careful with that. As you're finishing that, let me hit some blind spots very quickly. These are problem areas you can write on the back. Blind spots for the compassion person. Number one, compassion person can be easily hurt by others. They don't have that calloused wall that we talked about last week the administrator builds up because they're a target all the time. The the compassion person takes everything in at heart because they're vulnerable on purpose. That's how they're wired. So no one gets as hurt as quickly or as easily as the compassion person. Let me also, I didn't put this in my notes, but listen. If you identify your child as a compassion child gift, you need to provide them an extra oversight, over extra help, extra watch, an extra eye. They need more oversight and help than the teacher child or the administrator child. The compassion, listen, listen, this is important. The compassion child is very vulnerable and trusting. God has wired them that way, but a child is a child. And so if you have a parent that you feel like is a compassionate child, you really need to just go overboard in protecting them and helping them and then praying that God would use that gift for his glory. Amen. Number two problem area, the compassion person can sometimes empathize too much with the suffering of others. The danger here 
is that you, you empathize too much with someone who's hurting where you get lost in that pain, you get lost in that suffering, and, and then soon you're no, no good at all to anybody. It affects your health, it affects your marriage, it affects, your, it affects every relationship, and at that point it is the right thing to do to pull back. It's okay. God wants you to heal. Come on. God wants you to heal. I'm giving you permission by God. You've got, if that's the situation you're in, that's not what God intends. My mother, same deal. I told you about the post-traumatic stress. She had to stop going down there for a while because of that. She told me years and years ago that she would never be able to go on a mission trip out of the country with me. I've been doing that since I was 12 years old. And she told me, I'll never be able to go out of the country on a mission trip and share that experience with you because I would be useless. As soon as I got off the plane and I saw the poverty, I saw how people lived, you know, firsthand, she would be messed up if she saw a dog that didn't have enough food. Come on, I'm not talking to anybody. If there's not enough food for the people, there's not enough food for the animals. And so she, she's compassionate about it all. And she would be worthless. And so she knows her limitations. And you need to as well. Number three, quickly, the compassion person has an effect, uh, affectionate nature that can be misinterpreted by the opposite sex. You remember that old science fiction, uh, what was it, the, 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 the ro- robot that went, danger, Will Robinson, danger. That's what I'm telling you right now. Lost in space. Let me remember that. Come on. How many old people? Yeah. Danger. That's, that's what I'm telling you right now. If you're a compassion person, the other person is not. You're, you know, kind of touchy-feely, you know, and all that. That can be taken the wrong way and end in the wrong way. So be careful with that. A big idea. Big idea. The compassion person is the heart. The heart of the body of Christ. No other person works harder to offer mercy and bring relief to the hurting. Last week I said that the administrator was the shoulders. The compassion person is the heart of the body of Christ.